If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Coot Blackson. Coot is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He is the author of the national best-selling book, You Are the One, and The Magic of Surrender. Oh, it just like expands my heart when I when I hear that name of your book. He is widely considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development and has been featured on Larry King Now, Fox and Friends, Dr. Drew, as well as Inc. Magazine, calls him the mindfulness guru billionaires go to for advice. Wow. Amazing. Welcome, Coot. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Can I get a woo woo? <laughs> woo woo. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Let's feel that energy. You know, I was so happy that your publicist reached out to my show because I have met you before and I was blessed to have been given your book. You are the one. So I met you in LA. Now I live in Colorado, but I believe you also went to Agape. Did you, did you go to Agape? And I mean, many, many, many years ago, yes. Yeah, many, many years ago, yes. We're talking like 15 or Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes, yes. Yes. So, so, see, but I remembered you. And I said, he is special. He is amazing. And I, I really, I really felt my heart expand. And then you did a talk at Marcy Cole's uh, okay. event. Yep. And that's when you were doing the book. So where do you live now, Coot? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Yeah. I lived in Los Angeles a long time and recently moved out here to Colorado about four years ago. Awesome. Awesome. So yes, but LA has a special place in my heart and the beach and everything. So I just have a question. How can our audience raise our energy if they're feeling down or unmotivated? Um, I think it depends why they're feeling down and why they're feeling unmotivated. Um, in certain ways, I don't think there's one cookie cutter answer. To be honest, um, I think one simple place that uh, on a simple pl- in a simple level people can start from is maybe the, you know, focusing on the gratitude for what we do have. And mm-hmm. I think so often in our lives today, it's easy to look at life and feel challenged with so much going on. Um, so much talk of a recession and the economic times we're going into that 
I think it's quite natural and normal to feel down, so to speak. Um, mm. But I think if we're willing to really just focus on what we do have and who we are, and you know, to me, abundance is not about what we have. It's about how we feel about who we are and how we feel about what we have. And so the focus on what you focus on expands and what you fo- and, and the more you focus on what's beautiful about your life, uh, the more what is beautiful also amplifies and expands. And so focusing on what you're grateful for, focusing on what's working, focusing on what's great about you, focusing on what what you appreciate, focusing on what's what's wonderful, focusing on the small things. You know, I think many times uh, also in an effort to get somewhere, in an effort to manifest, in an effort to to create goals, dreams and desires, in an effort to live purpose, uh, we set these goals for success. And we're in such a intensive pursuit of achievement and success that often we wait until we're waiting for some special moment of attainment in order to celebrate. We're waiting for that special moment to achieve that thing in order to then feel the joy. And so I would encourage people to you know, find the joy and the gratitude and the happiness in the journey in the pursuit, in the experience, in the moment-to-moment daily process of living and pursuing one's goals, dreams, and desires. And many times also in the pursuit of of one's dreams, um, we're often looking at how far we have to go in terms of from where we are. Like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm a zillion dollars away. Wow, you know, I'm so far away. I'm 50 miles away and I have this far to go in order to attain that goal, dream, and desire. But often we're forgetting or not focusing on how far we've come, what we've had to go through. Everything that we've had to go through over the last two, three, four, five, six, 10, 15, 20 years to even get to this moment. And I think when we forget that, we can often sometimes feel down as well. And so um, a shift in perspective, a shift in focus. And, you know, I think remembering Yes, the human experience can be difficult and the human experience can be challenging. But I think also remembering that, you know, we were born, at least this has helped me, that we were born with nothing. We're literally born with nothing. And and this life, this human experience, we didn't pay for it. It was free. Like literally, if you really think about the fact of it's free. You know, for me, that that that, that shifts everything, and, and so ev- everything beyond that is really a bonus. Everything beyond just birth is a blessed bonus, and so um, just yeah, just finding ways to celebrate the moment, finding ways to celebrate existence, finding ways to just savor what we have and savor what's here and savor the textures and the colors and you know people might say but i don't really have anything to great to be grateful for Mm. maybe it's just focusing on wow you can see maybe it's just focusing on the basic the the obvious the the mundane you can see you can touch you can taste you can feel you have health you have you know you can move your hands you can eat you have someone that cares about you you're able to listen listen to this podcast and just finding those things to to feel gratitude the other thing uh i think might help also is i think one of the reasons that we sometimes suffer in life 
is we are constantly focused on ourselves, constantly focused on what we can get. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, we have to have a level of self-focus and 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 I would say um, self-value and self-importance. But when we just focus on ourselves, my feeling, my happiness, my joy, my life, I think it can lead to feeling frustrated or feeling down. But I think something shifts when you shift your focus to moving it beyond yourself where your focus is no longer just on your joy, your happiness, your feelings, your emotions, your life, your, 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 your world, but asking a different question and shifting your focus to how can I be, how, how can I be a contribution? How can I be of service? And so I think a shift can happen when we start focusing our perspective on how can I serve? How can I make a difference in people's lives? How can I add value to those around me? And when we shift our focus from just a self-focus to a focus that is on service, um, we begin to transcend our own egos and transcend our own selves. And I think that shifts things as well in a very strange way. You know, I look at people like Gandhi. I look at people like Mother Teresa. Life wasn't easy for these people. But, you know, they, they were in a constant you know, focus of being of service. And I think that made a huge difference. And so finding ways to serve, finding ways to contribute, finding ways to make a difference, because in that your focus isn't just on yourself, your focus is, is on making a difference. I think those those are some simple things that can help. Wow. I feel like that was an like an hour transformational, inspiring talk in 12 minutes. (laughs) You packed a lot in there. And I understand if the audience has to rewind and listen to this and really process this, because you're the first person that I've heard say that life is free. You know, I've heard people say life is a gift, but it's just free. Yeah. You're free, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, and and then it's like you you have this visualization of a blank slate mm-hmm. of of total co creation with God or the universe, whatever it is, because it, you're coming into this world and uh, it's up to you, you know, you make it what you want, and uh, yes, and and it's just wonderful bringing in those powerful leaders that. Um, that we're always just giving, giving back. And that, and that was their purpose. So yeah, great, great tips. You find that a lot of people, like if they're down, you can see, like you can see things that they can't, that they could be grateful for, and that you might give them hope when you're working with them. Um, Sure. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, just because like having another person, because sometimes people can have that tunnel vision mm-hmm. of their life and and just mm-hmm. think, oh, okay, and just stuck in a rut, you know, sure. like everything is like not going well or whatever. Yeah. But like what is around you, you know, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Like if if you're in a hospital bed and like, you know, <laughs> your full body cast, you can see, mm-hmm. you know, um, I th- I think that's an amazing perspective as well being grateful for the little things 
And okay, so what about you? What are your daily practices that you believe contribute to your success? Um, you know, for me, my daily practices are really quite simple. Um, I think so often we look for the fancy things, we look for the uh, esoteric things, but I think it's it, it's really the simple things that we do consistently compounded over time that really uh, add up to make a difference. And so uh, for me, there's no grand thing. It's just, I wake up, I exercise every day without fail. Um, okay, what, time? The, what time? Um, it, uh, really it really depends. It really depends. Could be 6.30, could be six o'clock, could be seven. Okay. And that sets a foundation for me. I meditate. That sets a foundation for mm. me. Um, After you exercise. But, 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 but yeah, but really it's not anything that out of the ordinary. I think people mm -hmm. underestimate consistency. And I think consistency mm -hmm. is key. I think consistency, consistency is a foundation. It's not the big things that you do, going to that seminar, going to that experience. It's not the big things that you do once in a while that really make a difference. It's the small things that you do every single day, every single day. And it's the days that you don't think, it's the days that you, you don't think doing that thing is making a difference or not doing the thing doesn't make a difference, uh, but compounded over time puts you in a whole different reality. And so every day, a little meditation, a little meditation. To me, it's the power of the small, the small mm. things that you do every single day compounded over time, that over time, a year, two years, uh, three years, five years, 10 years, put you in a whole different reality, connect you to a different dimension of your being. And so I think um, we underestimate the power of the small. But I think that true greatness and true power is generated in those small decisions that we take every single moment of our lives. Many times people will say to me, uh, I just, you know, I don't have the time to meditate. And I tell people that if you don't have the time to meditate, you can't afford to not meditate. Because for me, the hard, hardest part of, let's say, a practice or meditation is not the act itself. It's just sitting down. It's actually sitting down. The hardest part of exercising isn't going out and doing a workout. It's just starting. And so I tell people, just start. One of the things that's really helped me to shift and create habits, because I think first you make those habits, then your habits make you and create a certain momentum. Uh, one of the things that I found has really helped that I would offer for people if they really want to create a certain consistent habitual routine is you have to make certain things that you know are good for you, that you know you need to do, make them no longer, make it a choice to not be a choice. So in other words, it's no longer a choice. So for me, working out, exercising, doing certain things is just, is no longer a choice. I've taken away the choice. Should I, shouldn't I? It's just, it's just so. So when you make something no longer a choice and it becomes a choice that it's no longer a choice, what it does is it takes away the gap, the space, the possible, it takes away the room for your mind to, to think about it. Well, should I, shouldn't I? It's just, your mind will do whatever it needs to do. Your mind will resist. Your mind will go back and forth. Your mind will ruminate. Your mind will marinate. But you know, there's a container that is no longer a choice. And I think many times in spirituality, there's this idea of like, well, just infinite possibilities and have infinite freedom. But I think that 
what is often misunderstood or misconception is there is this in discipline there is freedom in discipline and there is profound freedom in structure and the more you can create the structure and the discipline the more you actually have the space to be able to flow inside of that and a lot of people see discipline and see structure as a limitation rather than seeing it as something that can support you having the freedom having the ability to to to, to actually flow and so when you make certain things no longer a choice you take away the possibility or you lessen the possibility for your mind to get too involved then go back and forth and you just know this is what i'm going to do my mind can do whatever i want my thoughts can do whatever whatever it wants to do but this is what i'm going to do i'm going to meditate i'm going to exercise and so that's something that seems small but makes it at least for me has made a a huge, a huge difference. You know, like, like, like many times we allow our mood to determine what we're going to do. We allow how we feel to determine the action that we're going to take. And so I think we have to not allow our mood to determine our actions because, because often when we make a certain commitment to exercise, to do that thing, to do that practice, we're in a certain mood, but often as we go into life, life then gets in the way and the mood passes, the feeling passes. We don't feel like it anymore. And so if we allow however we feel to determine the actions we're going to take, we will often not truly fulfill our potential, fulfill our greatness, take the actions that we know we really need to be taking. And so um, we have to have a deeper commitment and a deeper focus on the deeper commitment which is the meditation which is the practice which is the exercise and i think that that's the key we have to be more committed to that than the momentary feeling the fleeting feeling sensation in the moment uh and and so that that's something that's really helped me you know those those small choices and a deeper commitment to make things no longer be a choice Mm, interesting. And so how does your latest book, The Magic of Surrender, fit into that philosophy of discipline and structure and not yeah. having a choice and yeah. also surrendering? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there's this misconception that I think surrender is weak, that surrender is passive that surrender is giving up, that surrender is waving the white flag, that surrender means being lazy, or that surrender means just sitting around and just waiting, that surrender means you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires, that surrender means you might miss out, you're going to be a victim, you're going to be a doormat, you're going to be taken advantage of, that you're, you won't you, you're not going to manifest what you really want. And I'm actually saying if we really understand the essence, the true essence, the true meaning of surrender, like what if you didn't get less, but you actually got more, more than you could have visualized and intended and imagined and projected with your conscious limited, you know, uh, personalities, imagination. What if, what if you actually got more in surrender? Maybe not what you expected, but more, maybe not what you expected, but different. And so just to set the context, as I answer your question, you know, to surrender, I believe, 
is the most powerful thing that we can do if we really understand what it is. If you, to me, real surrender is the is the real secret to manifestation. Surrender is the real key to the next level of our life. If you look at the truly great ones, whether it's Jesus, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Gandhi, whether it's Mandela, whether it's Mother Teresa, whether it's, you know, uh, Bruce Lee, whether it's Muhammad Ali, at some point, all of these figures, all of these people, they had to surrender themselves. At some point, they had to surrender themselves to something bigger than themselves. They had to surrender themselves to the divine. They had to surrender themselves to their soul calling. They had to surrender themselves to a purpose that was bigger than themselves. And I guarantee you that there were many moments where they probably didn't feel like it. I guarantee you that there were probably many moments where they were afraid. I guarantee you where there were moments where they, they weren't in the mood to show up. They weren't in the mood to pick up another person. They weren't in the mood to give another speech. They weren't in the mood to go to prison. They weren't in the mood to go into a dangerous situation, but they were surrendered to a calling that was bigger than themselves. And that's what they committed to. And I think all of these great ones in their surrender, they transcended. They transcended their own human ego's limitations. And in that space, they tapped into another dimension of life, another dimension of, the, of, of, of their own potential. And in that surrender, I think life was able to use them and move through them and act through them and manifest through them. They tapped into the infinite potential of life. And I think that's the, the possibility of surrender. And so surrender is when you stop is when you stop trying to control life, when you stop trying to control everything. Control is the master addiction. And I think it's kind of an illusion that we are in control. And so surrender is when you give up the, the illusion of control. Surrender is when you stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit your limited idea of how you think it should be. Surrender is when you let go of the idea of, of who you think you should be and the life that you think you should be living so that you can be truly open and available to the authentic expression of what life is seeking to express through you. And so, you know, the old paradigm, I think, and I think we are in the midst of a profound global human consciousness transformational shift into a whole new way of living, which is living more in, in harmony with nature, living more in harmony with our souls, living more in harmony with the divine. And so the old paradigm was the sort of ego-based model for living life, for creating, where we were taught to make things happen, make things happen, hustle, force, make things happen, manifest your reality. The challenge is it's limited. It's a limited way of functioning. Like you got to know what you want. Yes, but what I found is you might manifest what you thought you wanted only to realize that what you thought you wanted wasn't what you really wanted. It was just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And often, <laughs> you know, so our goals, right, can be yeah. projections of unmet needs from childhood. You know, dad didn't love me. I wasn't enough. I wasn't seen. I wasn't valued. So if I can just achieve that thing, achieve that goal, then I'm going to finally be enough and valuable. And and it doesn't really fulfill us, you know. And so I think that next phase of living in a essence of surrender is really about 
asking a different question. And the question becomes really more about what, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that the universe is seeking to, to express through me? What is it that the divine is seeking to express through me? What is it that, what is the deepest expression of what my soul is seeking to manifest and express? And to align with that, to feel that, to attune to that, to, to bring yourself into alignment with the deepest intention and the highest the highest intention of your soul. And I think when we do that, then we can sort of align our minds, our visualizations, our planning, our strategy, our money, our resources in alignment with what is authentic, in alignment with what is true. And then we go into action. And so what that might sometimes mean is doing things that you as a individual personality don't feel like doing. I'm sure that Mandela didn't want to go to prison. I'm sure that, um, let's say, uh, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King resisted being the leader of the civil rights movement for many years because he knew the potential dangers of that. And so this isn't something he felt like, but I think at a certain point, there was a deeper calling that pulled him. And so part of surrender is an acknowledgement of the deeper truth. Part of surrender is an acknowledgement of the deeper calling of what is of what is guiding and what is pulling you, even though what you feel like might be different. Because sometimes we just feel like staying at home. Sometimes we just feel like watching Netflix. Sometimes we just feel like staying in the warm and comfort of our comfort zone. Sometimes we just feel like staying in that relationship that we know is no, no longer right, is no longer aligned because we've been in it, but we've outgrown it. Sometimes what we feel like is staying in that job that provides the safety and security. Meanwhile, our soul is calling us in a completely different direction. Sometimes what we feel like is staying in LA, but your soul may be calling you to Colorado or somewhere else. And so I think the next level of our lives as human beings for each of us, the next level of our life requires the next level of us. The next level of us require that we let go of what's no longer aligned. We let go of what's no longer working. We let go of what's no longer a vibrational match. The challenge is as human beings, what we tend to do is we tend to hold on to who we were. We tend to hold on to what was. We tend to hold on out of safety, out of comfort, out of familiarity, you know, out of self-preservation, not realizing that holding on is keeping us stuck. Holding on is blocking our blessing. And so sometimes it requires that you go where it's scary. Sometimes it requires that you do what you don't feel like doing because we have to realize that we are not our feelings and we are not our emotions and we are not our thoughts. Just because we have a thought or feeling doesn't mean it's true. And so there is a deeper intelligence of the soul. And so surrender is, true surrender is surrendering to the deepest, the most authentic impulse that is moving you, that is calling you. Like you might feel like eating the, you know, eating that Snickers bar or or, or a whole tub of ice cream and, so and, and part saying, of and, and part of surrender saying, might mean yeah. saying, "No, I'm not going there." Okay. You might I feel you were like say surrender to the Snickers. <laughs> no, so but part of surrender might mean saying, "No, I, I'm I, I'm not going to." You, know, you might feel like drinking that bottle of wine, you know, or or that alcohol or that drug because you just feel like it, but knowing the consequence, knowing the after effect, knowing the impact it's going to have in your consciousness, in your vibration, in how you feel, that won't be elevating your vibration, that won't be taking you towards where you want to go. And so sometimes it requires saying no to what you feel like 
and a deeper yes to what you're committed to. And I think there's the difference. And I think that's what people should realize that there's this idea that, oh, surrender is just go with the flow. This is a mistake that people have. And I think in the spiritual sort of metaphysical world, just go with the flow, just flow with whatever you feel like. But, but, but sometimes we don't realize that we are just succumbing to the, the biological conditioning in our, you know, in our nervous system, we're just succumbing to the conditioning and programming of our childhood and just going with the, going with whatever's arising. And so I think surrender is feeling the deeper truth, feeling the deeper commitment and, and rising into that, surrendering to that. It might mean you, you feel a calling to, to, to serve a community, to stand for a cause. And you might be terrified, like, oh, if I if I stand for that cause, maybe people will ridicule me. Maybe I'm going to face challenges. Maybe I'm going to face opposition. But in my soul, I know that this is where I'm guided. And surrender is honoring and being true to the deeper calling of your soul. And that's the difference, you know, and that's the difference. When you look at the great ones, they were true. M Muhammad Ali. Look at Muhammad Ali at the top of the world as a championship heavyweight champion. Felt a calling to not go to the Vietnam War. For him, that cost him everything. That cost him his profession. That cost him his, his title. That cost him, even in the moment, his reputation. But when you look back at the trajectory of this man's life, he stood firm in his belief, which over time, he was able to transcend, like his willingness to surrender to his soul and his truth enabled him to transcend just being a boxer, enabled him to transcend just being an athlete. He became an icon, an icon of possibility, an icon of integrity. And so I think, I think surrender is the real password to freedom. You know, surrender is the key to the next level. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. And I'm so in alignment with that. And, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to start this show, Zen Success. It's about defining your own success and moving from force to flow. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't mean it like the way you're saying, oh, be in the flow. Mm -hmm. I, I did mean it the, the way you're articulating it mm -hmm. is be open to unlimited possibilities and stop pushing mm -hmm. life or what you think mm -hmm. your parents want you to do or society wants you to do, you know, really coming up with your own version of it. So yeah, that that's amazing. I love how you articulated that. So do you believe that surrender is a key to achieving your dreams? As I said, surrender is the key. That's the key. Surrender is the key. You know, in, in so many ways, you know, we think we know See, here's the thing. We think we know what our dreams are, you know, but, but, but is that our what destiny? We, what, what we have to realize <laughs> is, is, is from the perspective of the mind and from the perspective of the ego, we're only able to see a very limited perception, a limited possibility, a limited sliver of reality. And when we are defining our goals and dreams uh, and, pl and planning goals and dreams from the level of mind, the level of personality, 
those goals and dreams, no matter how amazing, will be limited to our current level of consciousness and our current level of conditioning. And, and, and so in so many ways, we don't realize that we are unintentionally limiting the universe with, with our limited perception. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. And so I think when we truly live in surrender, it doesn't mean you sit there and do nothing, just so I'm clear. It doesn't mean you sit there and go, I don't know what my dreams are, and I'm just going to sit here and just wait. No, it means you you feel what is the universe seeking to express? What is the highest impulse? What is the most authentic thing? What is the deepest expression of what is seeking to manifest through me, in me, as me, at this in this particular moment of my life? And listen. And as you listen, you become available. As you become available, you become obedient. And then you allow the vision of life to sort of reveal itself to you, to clarify it itself through you and you start moving in that, that in that direction you so you can so so you're kind of like sensing the highest expression and sometimes look when i wrote the book the magic of surrender as an example this was not the book i wanted to write this was not the book i intended to write this was not the book i planned to write I planned to write a whole other book that I thought would be a bestseller that I thought publishers yeah. would want, that I thought people would, would want. I had a whole different. What plan. was the name of that one? Do you, you remember? Know, I mean, there were, there were a hundred different titles Oh, okay. and, and I, and I had a whole different plan, but when I looked at my plan and when I looked at my strategy and when I looked at this board that I, that I wrote, that I wrote different ideas on the truth was none of, if I was honest, none of those ideas felt real. None of those ideas felt authentic. None of those ideas felt true. I mean, I could have lied to myself and said, yeah, I, and I could have made one of those happen, but none of those felt aligned. The only word that felt true for me and aligned for me was the word surrender. And that's when I had to sort of acknowledge that and, and feel into that and follow Follow the impulse of that idea. Follow the impulse of the energy. Follow the impulse, even though I didn't know where it was going to take me. I didn't know that it would turn into a book. I didn't know what kind of book it would, 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 would manifest into. As I followed the impulse of that word and that energy, it revealed itself to me. And then it became very clear that this is the book that was seeking to be written. And so, so when you kind of get a sense of the vision that is that is seeking to happen and you move in that direction, then you can start planning. Then you can start setting goals. Then you can start intending. Then you can start putting a strategy into place. And I tell people when you, when you start, then you can start giving 100% to the manifestation of the goal, the dream, the vision that has emerged from a deeper part of you than your mind. But it's so important that you don't, part of surrender is to not get attached to the outcome. Sometimes when we kind of, get a sense of the outcome, we get so attached to, it has to be this, it has to be, it has to be, this person has to be my soulmate, it has to be this book, it has to be this idea. And we don't get, we don't realize that we get so attached to the goal that we think is the goal, that we're actually limiting uh, the infinite possibilities of the universe without attachment. And what I have found is sometimes the goal is not the goal. The goal is sometimes the goal is really the necessary cosmic carrot, the necessary evolutionary carrot that 
pulls us in a certain direction, that takes us in a certain direction, that if we didn't have the goal, we wouldn't have gone on the journey. And it's not so much about the goal, that it's more about the journey that we have to go on in order to grow through and evolve through to become the person that is capable of fulfilling a bigger vision and a bigger purpose. So we go on this journey, we grow, we evolve, we expand. Yeah, we become more of who we truly are. And in that process, we become more capable. We become more ready. We, we become the person that is more capable of fulfilling the dream and the vision. But if we didn't go on the journey, we would not have learned. We would not have grown. We would not have evolved. And so even though the goal isn't the goal, doesn't mean we fail. Doesn't mean the project has failed. It was a success so long as we learned the lessons that we needed to learn along the way. But when we're attached, we won't let go. When we're attached, we won't flow. When we're attached, we won't be open to, to, to course correcting, to pivoting, to allowing life to show us a different plan. And so sometimes the goal isn't the goal. It was just a necessary puzzle piece to move us in a direction so that we could grow, so that we could evolve in order to be moved in a whole different direction. But when we're so attached, we're like, no, it has to be this. And we don't realize that the universe is seeking to to gift us, to give us, to bless us, to show us uh, so much more. And so um, I think part of, you mentioned Zen success, and I think part of success in our culture today, we've gotten so caught up with this idea, a very limited idea of successes. You set the goal, you achieve the, the, the outcome. You set the goal, you achieve the outcome. You get married, you stay together. You meet this person, and this is what it becomes. And I think that that is limiting because many times you will achieve the goal. You will get the house. You will get the car. You will get the girl or the guy. You will get the outcome of the manifestation that you set up, but you won't be happy or you're no longer growing or you're no longer evolving. And so what point is it to achieve the thing, but to not be growing and evolving anymore? And so I think first we have to realize on a spiritual level that we are souls and we are souls that incarnate into the human experience and we incarnate into the human experience. And life is simply the classroom. Life is like a university for our souls. Life is the classroom for our souls evolution and every single experience, every single relationship, everything that we go through in this human simulation, this, this, this earth school is, is really part of the curriculum for us to grow everything. And so I think if we understand that, then we can start to understand that the real purpose of life is for us to learn the lessons so that we can grow and realize who we truly are and become more of our authentic selves. And so in that sense, I think we get to redefine a whole new paradigm of success, that success isn't just the attainment of a goal, staying together forever. Real success is the, is the degree to which we learn the lessons where we are, with who we're with, in any given situation. So that even though you may not manifest the goal you set out to manifest, so long as you're learning and growing and evolving and become more, even though maybe you broke you broke up with that person, that doesn't mean it's a failure, so long as you learn the lessons for why you attracted that person into your life and you evolved and you learned and you grew and you realized more of your true self, then it was a success. And so to me, success is evolution. Success is growth. Success is a deeper realization of, of your own truth. And so I think when we can shift our perception of success to a much more 
holistic view, a much more expanded view, it shifts the game as well. And so when things don't work out or things don't go according to plan or things don't manifest, it doesn't mean we fail. And many times when things don't work out, when things don't manifest, we, we tend to like collapse or, you know, feel sad or feel mad or feel bad or contract. And I think part of surrender is actually a key, a key quality in surrender is the ability to be curious. To me, this is a key quality of surrender, the ability to be curious. So when things don't work out, to say, hmm, what could this mean? Hmm, what, what more amazing thing could the universe be seeking to manifest? The sense of curiosity is surrender. And so in curiosity, part of surrender is the willingness to allow life to lead you. To me, this is key. The willingness to allow life to lead you, the willingness to allow, allow life to show you, the willingness to allow life to guide you rather than you pushing life in a direction to allow life to show you, to allow life to guide you. And I think if we observe, if we're available, if we're curious, if we're open, you will start feeling that life guides you. Life is pulling you in a direction. The energy starts moving in a direction. And I think that's part of living in surrender where, 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 where it's a different way of living where you allow life to guide you. And the truth is life has an intelligence. Life has been around for billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years. To me, the same intelligence that is breathing you right now, the same intelligence that is digesting your food right now, the same intelligence that is looking through those eyes right now, the same intelligence that is functioning trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of cells in your body, in my body, in everyone's body right now, it's the same intelligence that is life. And this is the same intelligence that knows how to fulfill itself through us if we are available and if we are open. And so how do we not trust this intelligence? You know, so, so I think part of surrender is a willingness to, to trust this intelligence. That is the very source of our existence in this moment. You know, I just want to share a synchronicity to what you're saying and, and trusting that is coming up for my clients that the message for them this week, as I was like doing my sessions with them, trust and surrender. And it's just what a synchronicity to hear this message from you. It's so beautiful. I, you know how many questions I have for you, Coot? Uh -huh. <laughs> probably like. I have like 20 more questions or something. <laughs> there's such a, there's such a flow and the, like the divine is just like giving you the messages that our audience needs to hear right now. And it, it's just so beautiful. Like I was just so curious about your life and what were you like as a child? I don't know if you'd want to share a little bit about that, like where you grew up and what you, you were like. Sure. Yeah. I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in the U.S. Oh, okay. You know? So yeah, you have yeah. a UK accent. Yeah, I grew accent. up in London. And, and so as a young boy, I was always a very sensitive, empathetic kid, let's say. And so I would feel people very deeply. And there was always a part of me that felt people suffering and there was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate people's suffering in some way. And I didn't know what that would look like. And so for me, I had a bit of an unusual childhood. In At least I, I didn't know it was unusual. I was told it was unusual. Uh, but, but while I was growing up in it, I thought it was quite normal. I thought everyone 
had my childhood. And so like my first memories as a young boy around five, six, seven years old, I forget which exact age it was, maybe around six years old, was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. Call it a miracle. He didn't know. Uh, week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear. The same man who sent she picked up would look at uh, a woman in a wheelchair and he would say, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick. And she would say, but I haven't walked in 10 years. And he would say, do you believe? If you believe, stand up. And she will stand up. And so week after week, I grew up wow. seeing miracles. Oh my God. Could, okay. And Can this you, man was my father. This? It was your father or was it yeah. your frequency? No, this, this man was, this, this man was my father. And so, wow. and so my father was considered the, considered a miracle man of, of Africa. He built uh-huh. 300, 300 churches in Africa, a huge church in, in London. Mm-hmm. He was very meta- metaphysical, very spiritual, yes. very mystical in nature. So he had like uh, a very high frequency very sure maybe 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 not you know i mean my father (laughs) maybe maybe not i I think we all have we all have a high frequency whether we're in touch with that or not is a whole different case you know and and so uh and and so i grew up around this 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 sense of possibility that's incredible for me the beautiful thing was it didn't seem that extraordinary. It just seemed like, yeah, somebody stood up out, out of a wheelchair today. You know, somebody picked up the sand he was walking on and got healed today. Yeah, somebody, you know, the blind was seeing today. So it didn't feel like a big deal. It just felt very normal. And so when I was age eight, I started to speak in my father's churches. Beautiful. Um, were you when nervous? I, when I was, when Did I was it feel 14, like your destiny or were you nervous? No, I think as an eight-year-old, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're innocent in a certain way. And so I was just thrown in the audience one day and I just started speaking and I didn't think about it too much. And words started coming out of my mouth and things started happening. And that began my speaking career. You know, and uh, when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister and I was given the mandate to take over my father's organization. Uh, But when I was 14, at this point, I knew I wanted to help people. But I but when it was announced, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of people in my father's congregation. And so when it was back in Africa and so there was a lot of expectation, a lot of hopes were put on me. And so when it was announced that by my father, my son is taking over. Um, I, I knew that this was not my path. I knew that this was not my my destiny. Yet I was too afraid to speak my truth. I was too afraid. To, Understandable. You know, to 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 be honest, because my fear was. I think like many of us, we allow fear to to hijack our voice, to hijack our dreams, our purpose, our gifts, our authentic expression. And so my fear was if I dare to be who I am, then I'm going to lose my father's love. I'm going to be outcast. I'm going to be alone. And I think many of us, we have this fear, like if you really know who I am, you won't love me. So we hide and we hold ourselves back and we play small in order to make other people feel comfortable, which serves nothing and no one. And for four years, I went along with it, you know, and I did my best trying to convince myself, maybe this is my path. But when I turned 18, I looked into my future and I felt my soul calling me. Talk about surrender. I felt my soul calling me to come to America. 
I felt my soul calling me to come to Southern California because I would sneak into my father's office and in his office were self-help books, spiritual books. Okay. And I would read these books and, and most of the American authors like Wayne Dyer, Louis Hay, oh. they lived in Southern California. They were there, yeah. And, and so I wanted to come and meet these people. I wanted to go into this field and I thought, this is the Mecca. And so I felt my soul calling me to come to the Mm. U.S. I felt Mm. my soul calling me to come to America in a big way. Um, It was an undeniable calling. And, you know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do isn't always convenient. And sometimes what your (laughs) soul guides you to do doesn't always make sense to your mind Mm -hmm. and your logic. And I think many of us, we talk ourselves out of our soul's guidance and intelligence because it doesn't make sense. And so I believe that if you follow your soul, if you follow your deeper truth, your deepest truth, you will always, always, and I've seen it in my life, you will always be guided in the right direction, even though the route that you take may not always make sense. And so, um, I decided to follow it. And that's when I knew I had to speak to my father. And so I looked into my future as a 17 and a half year old kid. I looked into my future and I saw I could follow the expected path. But if I follow this expected path, not only am I living someone else's life and that you can't be truly happy and fulfilled living someone else's life and being what you're not. But if I follow this path and I am successful, what kind of success is that if I don't have myself, if I don't have my soul, if I'm betraying myself? And I felt the pain of soul suicide, you could say. And and I knew what I had to do. And I realized if I start lying to myself now in order to get love and validation and approval from my father and the world, I'm going to have to live the rest. I'm going to have to live this life for the rest of my life. And I think that felt pretty painful as a kid. And that's when I knew that I had to have the conversation. And at 18, I spoke to my father, which was terrifying and told him I'm not taking over. And it was tough. You know, sometimes I think you're going to have to disappoint people. You're going to have to disappoint people you love and disappoint lots of people along the way, along the path to your dreams in order to follow your soul. And many of us were given a dream, we're given a vision, we, we, we feel a calling and other people won't agree. But the truth is we have to stop expecting and looking for other people's validation for our calling because our calling is our calling. Our calling is is given to us. It's not given to anyone else. And that's why we have it. That's why it's a vision that's given to us. And so when I had the conversation, we didn't speak for two years, but long story short, um, I believe that whenever you follow your soul, the universe supports you. And I ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery. And that's what enabled me to come to the US as an 18 year old kid with two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, uh, knew nobody in the country, one suitcase full of clothes, one suitcase full of self-help books and showed up in Los Angeles, you know, at, at, at age 18, following a dream, following a vision, following my calling. And that began a whole journey and I went and met many of the mentors and the teachers and authors and mm. you know, speakers and learned from some mm-hmm. of them. And then I started traveling the world. And I, you know, a few years later, I went to walk the Camino in northern Spain, 900 mm-hmm. kilometers. I went to Thailand, studied with monks. I went to Israel, studied with rabbis. And I ended up in India. And for me, it was, it was my time in India that really cracked me open to another ah. level of of reality and purpose. And that's when yeah. I came back 
LA again and started working with people one-on-one and it just mm. grew from one-on-one to one-on-five to one-on-twenty to large groups and two best-selling Beautiful. books. So that's a bit of that's amazing. That just like expanded my heart when you were talking about India and cracking you open. I, I totally feel that for you. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and hearing your story, which is so amazing. And your books, Magic of Surrender, and uh, you are the one. I'll put your website and how to buy your book in the show notes. Feel free to say your website as well. If sure. You like. Yeah. I think there's a couple of sites. Um, my main website is coopblackson.com. People can find out about my work and my schedule mm-hmm. there. You can enter your name and your email. There's a, I think we're giving away a, a, a free three part uh, video training series on how to find your purpose. For those that might feel inspired by the conversation and want to go deeper twice a year, I do an event in Bali. It's called Boundless Bliss Bali. So people can go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. To okay. find out more. And this is my last year. That's your retreat. That yeah. Oh, that's your last year. Wow. Going out with a bang. Well, thank you so much for being on my show today. What a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. If you'll be in the Los Angeles, California area, March 23rd, join us for a free healing art exhibition and March 25th for a paid workshop. I look forward to meeting you there. Details can be found in the show notes and on Eventbrite. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey and join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.